What is up, people? Welcome back to yet another episode of Kickoff Sessions. On this week's episode, I'm joined with Maya Grossman. Maya is a super fascinating individual that you're going to learn a lot from. She helps high achievers make quantum leaps in their careers and earn high six figures in their salaries. She's a best-selling author of a book called Invaluable. She's a previous VP of marketing. She was also in Google. She was also in Microsoft. And now her main focus is guaranteeing your next promotion. Our session today is all around how to get promoted, how to move quickly, and how to earn more money. That is the whole purpose of this conversation we're coming into a very important period which is promotion period this is a period where a lot of people are quite anxious and overwhelmed because they think that they're not in line for a promotion what maya does during the session is we get into all the details on how you can prepare yourself to get promoted we focus on promotion mistakes the common pitfalls that people fall into we look at promotion tips we look at earning potential we look at how you can think big we look at how you can find the right projects we look at the psychology of promotions and how to position yourself correctly and also how to face common objections from your manager this is an ongoing process that once you do it once you'll be doing it again and again and again so the earlier you can get this the better there's a common theme here how people can get promoted quickly and this is exactly what Maya focuses on if you do enjoy the session please share the session towards Instagram tag myself darrenlee.ks you can also share it on Twitter you can share it on whatever you like if you also want to watch the full HD version that's available on YouTube head over to Darren Lee on YouTube as well so I'll leave it right here here's my conversation with Maya all around how to get promoted and earn more money. Let's kick off. Well, thank you so much for this. I am very, very excited for this. And the reason why is because we're at a beautiful moment in time in terms of we're coming up to promotion period. And this is where a lot of people will get kind of anxious, kind of worried. They're kind of going to be guessing about what's going to happen next. And I feel like your work really tries to solve that problem, among many other things. But I'm looking forward to this conversation today. Yeah, likewise, Darren. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm going to be very honest with you. Uh, The reason a lot of people are worried and anxious right now is because they never had a plan. And they think that Mm -hmm. hoping and crossing their fingers that their manager decides suddenly to give them a promotion is the best strategy. And I actually think it's not. And we can talk about what you can do instead to avoid all of this, you know, stress and pain and heartache. Yeah, definitely. I think people build it up a lot in their head. And even if it's biannual or annual promotion reviews, it, it leads to a lot of anxiety. And then people get left left in the dark. They're left uh, unsatisfied and they don't know where to go to. So we'll get into all that conversation today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Before we do that, I want to ask you, why do you do what you do? Yeah, of course. Well, hi, I'm Maya Grossman. I am a best-selling author, two times VP of marketing, and an employee who was promoted 10 times in 15 years. And I'm also the owner of Maya Grossman Consulting, where I help high achievers make quantum leaps in their careers and earn high six figures. So basically, I teach you what to do the minute you get a job, how to keep leveling up, how to keep growing your earning potential, and actually enjoy what you're doing. Mm-hmm. that's a big uh area that people kind of fall down as well as in like the actual enjoyment i suppose they get caught on the hamster wheel of like promotion 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 and then not thinking about actually enjoying the work in between how have you seen that even with candidates yourself like do, do they kind of you know lack the kind of fulfillment aspect of their career sometimes yeah it definitely happens sometimes it, it happened to me i once took a promotion because i thought it was going to make me happy and i didn't do the work to understand what that next level actually looks like and i hated it i i actually ended up taking a step back reevaluating 
and then figured out how to move forward in a different direction. And this is why when I talk to people today, especially when they get, want to get promoted, the first thing I tell them to do is go talk to people who have the job that you want to have, both internally at your company and externally with other companies, because you want to learn what it actually looks like, what you'll be doing every single day so that you can make an informed decision about whether or not that's going to be the best fit for you. Because mm -hmm. this is unrealistic sometimes when I say this number, but we spend 90,000 hours at work. The only other thing we spend so much time on is sleep. You do not deserve to hate every minute. And I know that there is a possibility for people to enjoy it. You can learn, you can grow, you can stretch yourself. And that doesn't always mean leveling up. It just means being intentional and choosing to spend your time at work in a way that suits you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there is a, a bit of a pressure in terms of like, oh, when we're always focused on the next thing, we're not really enjoying what's happening in the short term. And that's a scary statistic of how much errors. And like, think of that as well when you're in that office. For me, it's a lot different, like working from home. Many other people are in the same situation. So if you're in an office, in this environment, it can become quite toxic quite, quite easily, can't it? Yeah, I know. And, and I've been through these situations. I think everyone has at some point in their career. And I think mm -hmm. the important part is to recognize it if you have an opportunity to actually change it from the inside out, I would definitely give it a try. I have worked for very small teams where I could actually change some of the culture and help them build a much healthier relationship. And sometimes you just can't change it. And when that's the case, you have to think about yourself and you yeah. need to get yourself out of that situation as soon as possible. Yeah, I love that because I suppose people are so used to suffering in silence versus trying to make a make a change and that feeds into the promotion aspect too which i want to dig into so on the promotion side of thing one thing i loved one of your quotes from your newsletter was no one owes you promotion and that's so true because people have a sense of entitlement sometimes not even entitlement i suppose they just feel like that they deserve it and one thing i even heard recently was like sometimes your input doesn't necessarily translate to the output you're going to deserve because you might put in a lot of work, but unless it shows what KPIs and targets, you're not gonna you're not gonna get what you want. So, how do you think about that statement, even yourself? Like, why? What was the basis for it? Yeah, well, I think a lot of people have a misconception. I don't think they understand what a promotion is. People think they get a promotion, and that's a reward for doing their job well. It's actually not. If you only do your job, if you do work at the level you're at you're actually not going to be qualified for a promotion. So putting in more hours, that's not the way to go. A promotion is a vote of confidence that you can actually do next level work, that you can solve bigger problems, that you can lead bigger teams, that you can think more strategically, and so on. And unless you demonstrate that you have some of these skills, that you have some of these capabilities, there's actually no reason to promote you. And people think a promotion is about them, a promotion is not about you. It's about the company and what they get out of it. And once you change your perspective, you understand that um, no one owes you anything. You're not entitled. Uh, being there long enough is not a reason for you to actually level up. And when you get rid of all of the excuses, that's when you understand the only thing you need to do is to demonstrate that you're ready to do next level work, have the right people vouch for you, and actually ask for that promotion. And that's mm -hmm. how you're going to get it. 
What about in terms of a, a work context? So you mentioned there about like you know the the company needs to see you demonstrate. Um, what about a candidate that's a that's developing or showing that they're able to do ne- more uh, work? Maybe not even in a different, maybe in a different domain or maybe in the same domain, but they're trying to demonstrate that. Is there a way that you get across that message? Yeah, of course. So I'm actually launching a course very soon called the Promotion Accelerator, where I took my 15 years of experience, everything that I have done to get those 10 promotions, and I tried to simplify it into one framework. And it's actually called the Startup Framework. And there are five things that you need to get yourself promoted. First and foremost, you need a strategy. Why? because you want to have a super easy step-by-step plan that you can work on every single day. You want to wake up in the morning and know what you need to do to get promoted. Mm -hmm. Number two, you're going to need advocates. You're going to need people who are willing to go to bat for you because at the end of the day, people promote people. And I see that mistake so often. People think I will just do a great job. My work will speak for itself. Well, your work does not speak for itself. You have to understand that you can be the best in the world. And if no one knows or the right people don't know, it's like you never did it. So Mm -hmm. advocates are really, really important. And then you're going to need to build your reputation. And for me, that is a combination of your story, who you are, what you bring to the table, your actions, how you actually show up and visibility, who actually knows about what you're doing. And that means you're going to have to advocate for yourself. And most people hate it. I used to hate it, right? It feels so salesy to kind of go, me, 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 and give me credit. But I actually figured out how to do it without being salesy. I figured out how to continuously advocate for myself while doing my day-to-day work. And that's what I teach people how to do. You're also going to need to have achievements. I already mentioned it. You need to be good at your job. If you suck at your job, you're not going to get to the next level. So step one. Be good at your job and then demonstrate next level skills. And that doesn't mean you're going to have to do the work of two people. You just need to be smarter, learn how to delegate, um, and make sure that you give yourself the opportunity to stretch yourself and go a little bit beyond your job description. And lastly, and this is something that so many people skip, you need to present a business case. I already Mm -hmm. told you, your promotion is not about you. It's about the company. And if you can tie your story, your goals, your success to the company's success, that's when your promotion goes from maybe to a hell yes. Mm -hmm. That's even the last point. Like this, we we can unpack all of them. But the business case one is very interesting because I even see it as myself, like young manager, 25 years old, managing an engineering team. It was a little bit easier as a manager to tie back my performance because it goes back to KPI, which rolls up the department, which rolls up the company. But I feel like maybe even for younger people, like first timers trying to get promoted as analysts or senior associates, whatever, it's hard to contextualize that in the concept of of the company. So how would you position someone to put forward their business case and their achievements in that to uh, to really move the needle? I, I'm pretty sure you can always find something to tie it back. It doesn't mean 100% of your work is going to tie back to KPIs. uh, But if none of it ties back, then you might, you know, have a bit of a problem. But I'll give you the the easiest, most simple um, example. I actually worked with an intern who had a suggestion. Um, And I'm in the marketing field. And that intern looked at our uh, blog at the company I worked for. And he basically said, I think we need to update some of the content for SEO, 
And I didn't really have the time to do it. It wasn't on um, the, the roadmap for the marketing team. I didn't have anyone who was an expert. And this intern said, oh, I can do it. It's just going to take a couple of hours. Now, he actually worked on it for a couple of weeks. And what happened was, after six months, we actually saw a massive jump in traffic because he did all the right things. Now, it wasn't the most strategic work. It wasn't even on our roadmap. But I could see direct connection between him taking initiative and updating blog posts and increased traffic. And that increased traffic drove more business. So there's always a way, even with the smallest things that you do, to tie it back. You don't need everything to tie back, but you need to find one thing that demonstrates that you're generating outcomes and not just outputs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so... That's it's very unique as well because and I, whenever I speak to career people, they're always focused on output like that benefits, output benefits and output, and then rolling that back up. And I guess when you think about advocates and reputation, they, they feed into it quite well, don't they? Because if you think about like whoever it is, the person is going to give you the promotion or your manager, they're really your advocates and that's how it's built around, isn't it? It's built around our central message. Yeah, because it's not enough for you to do the work. I mean, if it's a tiny, tiny company, it is very likely that most people will be aware of what you're doing. But anywhere that has more than 50 people, people just don't know. They don't have the time. Even your manager doesn't have the time to look at every single thing that you're doing. So you yeah. really need to own that piece of advocating for yourself. And, and I do want to um, say something. There's a huge difference between outputs and outcomes. And I think a lot of people get it wrong. So outputs is the result of something that you do, the amount of something that you do. So for example, if you're a salesperson, the amount of calls that you actually have. An outcome is having a call that ends up closing as a deal. Mm -hmm. There's no point in having 100 calls, that's an output, if you get zero revenue. I would much rather someone would do 10 calls, but they would close all of them and create revenue. And this is why I always ask people to think about the outcome and not just the output. Because sometimes when you focus on the output, you choose the wrong strategy to achieve results. You're just focused on the number of the how much, not what is the actual result. That's interesting. So how does that break down into the day-to-day -day. so you said the strategy is how we get there because i love that macro micro thinking i like the fact that you're like okay this is the promotion you want to get to but this is our day-to-day -day, like how we nail it in so how do you think about that well for me in general i believe you need to manage your career like you're the ceo of a startup of a one-person company and to me that means having an owner's mindset and the first thing i do is question everything and that means that, and, and I'll explain why. Look, sometimes your manager is going to make great decisions. Sometimes the company is going to have great processes. But unfortunately, that's not always the case. And the worst thing you can do, especially if you want to get promoted, is to do things the way that they're used to doing it because, well, that's the way we've always done it. That's mm -hmm. the enemy of innovation, right? And so for me, pretty much everywhere I go, I start with an audit. I try to figure out what's working, what's not working. And then I try and find new ways to get things done. And I ask questions to understand whether or not we're working on the right thing. And I'll give you another really great example. I was working with a team that had a very small marketing budget. 
and they were focused on creating videos and specifically testimonials from previous customers. And they had a budget to create 50 videos. That's it. And they did the first batch. They created 10 videos. They uploaded them to YouTube. They did absolutely nothing to promote them. And then they went back to start working on the next 10. And that was around the time that I joined. And I asked the person in charge, why are you creating these videos? What, what, what is the goal? What are you hoping to achieve? And he said, well, we need awareness. I need more eyes on our product so that eventually we can actually sell it. So I asked, well, you created 10 videos, you posted them on YouTube, and they have zero views. How is this serving your goal? Why would you go and create 10 more, 20 more, 30 more? And, and I mean, it, and it happens this, all the time. <laughs> I know, but this person was so focused on outputs. He was told, you need to create 50 videos. And he never stopped to ask the question, are we creating the right kind of video? Are we actually promoting the videos? And here's what we did. We stopped creating new videos. We tried to promote the existing ones. And you know what? It didn't work. People don't necessarily love testimonials because they feel like they're being sold to. So instead, we took the budget of the next 10 videos and we created one video that was inspiring. It was exciting. It took the same amount of time. And then we promoted that single video. Everything we had before, more than 10 videos, had about 50 views. That video, within two weeks, 50,000. That's the difference between focusing on outputs and focusing on outcomes. And if you want to know how to do that, start asking the right questions. What is the outcome? What is the result that we want to achieve? Is this process the best way to get there? And if the answer is not, that's when you start thinking more strategically and you find a different way. That that's it's everywhere in companies. It's all over, especially the bigger the company. Like I've worked yep. very small companies. I've worked in I'm in a scale up now company, like a five thousand people, and that I've seen the largest of companies with half a million people. Would you believe that I've been working in? And we often just take broken processes and, and reuse them. Nobody thinks yep. deeply enough about them. It, it, it's madness. One thing I would I would kind of ask her on that is when someone feels the push, because even for myself, if I see something that's broken maybe the, the path less traveled is so long that it's going to it's going to impact deadlines, it's going to impact timelines. How should someone manage that expectation? So I think you need to be very strategic about the problems that you try to fix. I'm all for fixing problems, but if that's the only thing that you do, you'll have a full-time job fixing broken processes, I promise. Mm -hmm. So you need to be very strategic. You need to ask yourself, what would be the impact of me actually trying to fix this problem, how much time am I going to have to invest in it, and do you believe the ROI, the return on that investment is gonna be worthwhile? Now, if you can fix something that will influence the entire business or even your entire team in a meaningful way, then yes, I would spend time on it. Even if it's long-term, I will try to get um, stakeholder buy-in to do a different process, to spend more time, to spend more money. If this is something super tiny, you can do it in an hour. Don't even think about it. Just do it. And then make sure that other people know that you did it. Not because you're going to brag, but because you're going to share it with them as a resource, as a way of knowledge sharing to make their life easier. And they're going to remember it and really like you for it. 
And if it's somewhere in between, then you're going to have to figure out if you have enough time to do it. But the way that you're going to figure out if this is the right problem to fix, you're going to ask yourself, is this going to get me closer to my goal? And if your goal is to get a promotion, will this reflect on me in a light that's going to get me that promotion that I want? Is this going to build the reputation that I need? Or is this going to impact the right stakeholders? And when the answer is yes to any of these, then you go and you spend your time on fixing the problem. Mm-hmm. It's about kind of finding which problems you want to go tackle and really understanding what's most valuable to you. I think people can get easily caught up in things that are just not that necessary as well. You know, we all find ourselves spending too long on a task that goes nowhere and has no real value. Uh, yeah, if you're of thinking course. in terms of it, go ahead. No, I'm, I was just thinking about something that I did that was exactly that. Um, I'm a very organized person. And when I joined a team that had a really messy like back office um, where they shared all of their files and everything, I decided that I'm going to clean it up. And I thought it was just going to take me a couple of hours. It took me a couple of weeks. And you know what? No one cared. They were not using that resource. They couldn't care less. I felt good that it was organized, but I wasted my time on a problem that didn't actually serve me. Yeah, it's it, that's just the reality as well, you know. And I think the more you know about it as well, the more you can identify like, okay, these are high priority. These are the most critical stuff we need to tackle. Everything else can come. Can you can do it at different time? You don't need to do it now. And that's the that's the struggle with this stuff is like trying to find identify what we really want to hone in on and what contributes towards promotions, which is the whole purpose of this. I want to ask around reputation. So when you're getting promoted and you've been promoted like 10 times in 15 years, how did you build a strong relationship and reputation? So those are actually two different aspects, I would say. Let's start with building the relationships. Mm -hmm. The first step is to understand that you don't need to network with everyone. The reason I spent the first half of my career not reaching out to people is because I was terrified of networking. I don't like big events. I don't like being in a really loud environment. And I thought I need to be the friendliest person on earth. But then I realized you don't need to have everyone. You just need the people who can actually influence your promotion. Now, usually that's your manager and your manager's manager. And then you need to think really strategically. Who whispers in your manager's ear? Are they really close to one of their colleagues or, you know, anyone um, who is at their level? Is HR involved? Um, Is there anyone who can actually veto your promotion? Is there someone that can stand in your way? So you're going to map out three to five people. You don't need 20. Three to five is plenty. But when you know who they are, then you do the work to build a relationship. And there are two elements to building that relationship. First, and this is the first thing I recommend, and most people skip it, so don't. Build a real relationship as humans before you do it as colleagues. So to me, that means agenda-free meetings. You're going to set a coffee chat if you can meet them in real life even better and just get to know the person. Just learn about who they are, what they care about, what their goals are. Forget about work and get to know them. It makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. That's step number one. Step number two is to figure out what they really need and care about in the work environment and then thinking about ways you can help them achieve that. So for example, 
if you're in marketing and your um, advocate is in sales, how can you work on a better relationship between marketing and sales? How can you support their team in a better way? How can you help lead uh, projects? Maybe you know someone who will be a great hire for that team. You can introduce them to that leader. Mm -hmm. So always thinking about different ways you can add value without necessarily adding a ton of work on your plate. And if you do that for a long enough time, they're going to trust you, they're going to like you, and they're going to know what you're up to because you're constantly reaching out in one way or another. So that's the part mm -hmm. about building the relationship. The reputation part is how people perceive you. Now, unfortunately, as humans, we have the tendency to make assumptions. So for example, if someone doesn't raise their hand in a meeting ever, then someone might think, well, they're not leadership material. They're not, they're not ready for that. They don't have the confidence. And then that may not be true, but this is how people perceive you. And perception is reality. Mm -hmm. So I think just understanding that you need to control how you show up, you need to be in charge instead of letting people make their own assumptions. And again, you don't need everyone. You don't need to put up a show all the time. You don't need to put up a show anyway, but you just need to be more intentional when you work with your stakeholders. And it's actually very simple. I'll give you two tips on how people can do that. First and foremost, when you have your one-on-one -on -one with your manager, Mm -hmm. Always start with what you're doing right, what you're doing well, the success. Most people start with everything that's going wrong. I have this problem. <laughs> I have this problem. I need your help. But psychology shows that positive priming, if you get your manager in a good mood, they're going to feel so much better about you. They're going to be less judgmental and they're going to be more empowered to actually help you. So making a tiny change, starting with the positive is going to embed you as an overachiever, as someone who's really successful in comparison to other people who just complain, complain, complain all the time. Mm -hmm. So that's a really great way to do it on an ongoing basis. And number two, and this is something that most people think they shouldn't ever do, but it's actually a really great way to build your reputation. And that is talk about your goals and your dreams. You don't need to shy away. Now, don't talk about, I want to make money. Uh, you know, I'm entitled. I need to get this promotion. Talk about why you want it. Talk about the impact you want to make. Talk about your dreams. It's going to make you seem as if you're very organized, you're planned, you're thoughtful, you're ambitious, you're a hard worker. All qualities that are going to be needed for you to actually level up. So mm -hmm. sharing what you're dreaming of and where you want to go is not only a great way to position yourself, but it's also a great way to start the conversation about that promotion mm -hmm. that you really want. And it's also unique. If you think about that, if nobody is thinking like that, if nobody is speaking like that, it's initially going to put you on a different, a different level. 100%. In terms of feeding into like that psychology aspect, because I think that's huge. Of course, it's all perception related and if you don't think that that's true, then you're completely thinking in the wrong domain is what I always think as well. But how can you influence that kind of psychology side of things? So, of course, you know, leading with the positives. But what other aspects do you kind of uh, do you assess? So the main thing I teach about influence, and it's actually part of my book, um, that you need to flip the script. Most people think it's all about them. So if I'm asking for something, if I need something, it's all about me. Mm -hmm. And if you... 
flip the script and you look at it the other way around and you ask yourself, what is in it for them? Why should they help me? Why should they promote me? Why should they give me what I want? Once you flip that script, you have a much better way to position whatever it is you're asking for. So I'll give you, once again, a really great example. I, I had a lot of time in the corporate world. Um, <laughs> You've a lot of examples. <laughs> yeah. Once again, working for a really, really big corporation. And I was working with this really great team, a lot of um, super ambitious people. And that team didn't have a huge budget. And they were doing a lot of manual work, especially when it comes to like owning a CRM and tracking your customers. They were doing everything manually. And I heard them complain about it over and over again. And when I asked them, you know, why don't you invest in like software to solve this problem? Uh, the feedback was we asked our manager, but um, they said it's too expensive. And I said, okay, well, let's see what you're actually spending your time on to see if it's really expensive. So I asked everyone to track their time for a full week and tell me how much time they were spending manually updating all the information. And that ended up to be about 30 hours across the board every single week. And then I went to the manager and we had a conversation. And instead of telling him, hey, you know, your people are so tired, they're, they're spending too much time, you should probably pay for the software. I said, hey, your team is spending 30 hours on doing this manually. That's 30 hours. They're not closing deals. They're not actually creating revenue. If you invest this amount of money, you're going to free up 30 hours. You're going to give them the opportunity to operate at the next level. And you know what? They got the software because it wasn't about the team, even though it should be, but it wasn't about yeah. the team. It was, it was about what this manager were, would actually gain from investing in the software. And that's how you get buy-in. And that's how you need to think about influencing without authority. You need to flip mm. the script and ask yourself, what do they get out of it? And you're always focused on the benefits with those aspects. Yep. You're always going from that individual perspective. That's a that's a great technique. It's it's of course like it's very on the sales understanding like really what the pain points are and be able to solve it. But I guess people don't necessarily think of that in their own career sense that they can sit down and provide that value, the business value, the case value, the case script, like everything around there, and being able to position yourself. That's a unique yeah. position to be in. And, and this is why I said you need to manage your career like you're the CEO of a one-person company. But most people think about themselves as employees. They have to do things. They have to follow orders. They're a tiny cog in a big machine. So they have the wrong perspective. When you look at things from the inside out, it looks like it's a huge organization. They'll never change anything. They shouldn't even bother. When you're the CEO, you're looking at everything from the top down Anything is possible. So it's of just course. a matter of changing your perspective. You made a great point as well earlier about the earning your actual, like, well, explaining how much you want to earn or trying to earn more, but not coming across like salesy or whatever. So I, I, I always say this on my podcast. It's like when we're working these jobs, whether it's, you know, Google, Facebook, whatever, we're not working for charity. We, of course, want to be earning more. Otherwise, we would be earning working for charity. So how do you think about like like earning potential and especially coming into like uh, promotion season? Like, how should you think about like, okay, am I ready for promotion? Plus, how much of a promotion should I get? Yeah, I I think it's definitely something something that you're going to build over time. 
because asking for more money means you need to demonstrate you can deliver better results. Now, the more often you do it, if you've done that a few times, it's very easy to prove it. It's like, hey, look at what I've done in the last 10 years. I'm going to do it for you. It's going to be worth the investment. Mm -hmm. If you're just getting started, that's a little bit more difficult. And what you need to do to get to that point is, once again, demonstrate that you can do next level work. And here's why. It's very important. I think people don't always understand how this works. A promotion means that someone, your manager, is going to take a chance on you. They know you don't have everything that it takes to do the work. They know you haven't tried it yet. You don't have hands-on experience. But they trust you enough. They believe in your ability to figure it out that they're going to give you a chance and hope that you make it work. So the more you reduce the risk of them taking a bet on you by showing them that you can actually do it, the easier it's going to be for them to say yes. And that's how you actually get the promotion. When it comes to negotiating your salary, it's all about the future, not the past. People think, oh, I have done such a great job. I should get paid for it. No, you did a great job and you did it for free for the company. They're not going to pay for it now. What they're going to pay for is the future value that you're going to bring. And this is why when I teach people how to build a business case, it includes everything they achieved to date, which is important, and a future plan. Here's what I'm going to do once I'm promoted. Here is the ROI you can expect in the next year when you pay me more. Because mm -hmm. then it makes sense. The company will pay more when they get more. And obviously, do your market research, know your numbers. Uh, we can talk about how to actually have the conversation. But I think the starting point is to actually demonstrate what you're capable of doing and show them, give them a promise of what they're going to get. I love that. I think it's so unique. I don't think anybody is really thinking like future terms, like, like this is a roadmap. This is what we're going to do. And you know what? A lot of people do have an awareness of what they're going to be producing next, whether they're building, reducing risk, project managing something, they're going to have a, a fair idea, at least for H1 next year, what they're working on. So they're able yeah. to make some sort of assessment, but it's being able to quantify it and roll it up into how much you deserve. So how do you look at a uh, benchmarking? Would you look across the industry? Because I've heard previously, I don't know if it's correct, you might know that things like Glassdoor are generally 20 to 30% below what the average should be because it's usually negative comments that you see on Glassdoor. So it brings yeah. down the, the, uh, the, the moving average. Well, I definitely start there. I just want to get some sort of benchmark to know that I'm within a certain range. I would then go and talk to people who have the job I want to have at the same type of companies that I want to work for. Because for the same role, if you work for Google or if you work for a tiny startup, compensation is going to look very differently. So you want to have the right benchmark. This is when I go and talk to people outside of my organization. People are actually a little bit more inclined to share when you're not asking them for something. Um, so have that conversation, get a benchmark. And then ask yourself, what do I really want? Am I going to be happy if I'm going to be at the bottom of this benchmark? Or do I actually want to be at the top? Do I want even more than that? You have to be really uh, honest with yourself about what you genuinely believe that you deserve. And I know that it's hard to do, especially for women. So I always say, and then add 20%. 
because you because you're going to negotiate no matter what happens you're going to negotiate it is very rare that you're going to give a number and they're going to say hell yes and if they do know that you could have asked for about 30 more but that's yeah. for the next time um so just do your research but get real market information not just what you see online but also make sure that you're getting what you want just because the range is from x to y doesn't mean you should stay there I have interviewed, I literally just wrote about it on LinkedIn this morning. I have interviewed for a company where my ask was about 25% higher than anyone else they interviewed. And the hiring manager actually told me that. He said, you're going to have to come down because like no one else asked for so much. And I said, that's perfectly fine, but no one else is going to give you the ROI that I will. And I walked him through everything that I've done to date. And an hour later, I had an offer. And that's the thing is because these budgets they're so artificially created aren't they like like the concept of a band is just an illusion like they've just put this band in place to hang people between a range if you think about it's, it it's not like but it's not it's like it's a yes and no I, I was a hiring manager for so many years so it's a yes and no you do try to stay within the band because that's usually the budget that you actually have but for the right candidate If you've been looking for six months and this is the person who's going to make all the difference in the world, you will stretch the limits. I don't think anything is possible if someone would ask me for a million dollars, even if they're great, that's probably not the budget. But if I need to stretch it a little bit for the right person, I definitely will. But in terms of like across the industry, I think marketing and product are very, are very interesting roles. Like some product owner. So I've often seen people advertise roles that will be like at a huge different kind of range. So some are like, let's say like made a hundred, hundred K some are like the lower end of hundred K some are like 80 K some are like 70 K. So it's hard to know like what the industry is. Does that make sense? If you were taking like an industry average, maybe you look at the top companies, the mid tier companies and the average companies. But I guess for an individual, it's hard to make that assess that assessment. I know. And that's why I said you should only talk to people who work at companies you want to work for. And that's ac that actually is something that is very important to think about when you're looking for a job. You can't be everything to everyone. This is a mistake a lot of people do. They, pray and sp they spray and pray. They think, I'm just going to send my resume everywhere and it's going to work. But here's the thing. You can be a 9 out of 10 candidate for one company because it's the right fit. And with the same skills and the same resume, be a five out of 10 for a different company. And you want to only talk to companies where you're a nine out of 10. So you need to do to work the work in advance to figure out where your skills will have the best fit, what industry you're going to fit into, and only focus on those companies. And then if you talk to people who work for those type of companies, for example, if you want to work for a startup, 100 people. The, the range is going to be very different than if you go and work for a Fortune 500 company. So if you really want to get the right numbers, talk to people who work at the companies you actually want to work for. Makes a lot of sense. I think um, we think quite broad. We think in terms of like, this is the whole range, but we need to be thinking closer. In terms of how we face rejection, I know you read about this as well. Um, how can someone, especially coming up in January and February, respond if they're not going to get the promotion or a better way to look at it as well as if they get a promotion but it's not really great because like inflation's at like i don't know, like eight percent these days so 
what can you do in those scenarios? Yeah, well, let's start about the rejection. So first and foremost, and again, something that I think is a bit of a misconception. By the time you have a performance review, the decision has already been made about your promotion. So it's too late to change it. If you actually want to impact it, you need to start way before. This is why I teach people to have a promotion strategy. So when you get to the performance review, it's a no-brainer. Now, let's say you were really hoping for a promotion, you didn't get it. Well, now it's your job to turn that rejection into redirection. You want to understand why you didn't get it because you felt good. You felt like you were doing the right thing, right? So what's the gap? And this is where you need to get very, very specific because unfortunately, most managers don't know how to give constructive feedback. They will just tell you, oh, just work on your leadership skills. There are a lot of leadership skills and they're not all the same. What do you actually need to work on? Mm -hmm. So this is where you're going to double down and ask your manager specific questions. What are my gaps? What are the five things I need to work on to qualify for a promotion for the next cycle? And you're going to get super specific. You want KPIs. You want actual metrics, numbers, or specific skills that you can measure so that when the time comes, success is not negotiable. If you actually check all the boxes based on what you and your manager agreed on, you should be entitled for that promotion. And I think the mistake most people do is they ask for feedback. Their manager said, oh, don't worry, just do more of the same. You'll be fine in the next cycle. And in the next cycle, they still don't get promoted. So you need to dig deep to understand what the gap is. And if you know what, if your manager can't give you that information, you can actually find it yourself. And I teach that inside my course. You can figure out what it takes and then build a plan to build the skills, to build the experiences, to, to get the results so that when it's time for a promotion, it's a no-brainer. Now, you also asked about uh, what was the second part of the question? So if you if you get a promotion, but it's kind of garbage. Yeah, it's, not, you... it's not what you wanted. Okay. That, that's actually a really good question. This is when you need to get very um, serious with yourself and ask, what do I really want? Now, if you're optimizing for salary and you didn't get the bump that you want, then there are two things you can do. You can negotiate it. You can always negotiate or you can go somewhere else. That's an option. But if your main goal is not the comp, if this is more about your future, how you're building your career, how quickly you're going to continue leveling up, then negotiate that. Negotiate a specific title that you want or a specific level of seniority, even if you're not getting the compensation, because you're going to create leverage for yourself. If your goal is to keep leveling up, then the title is more important than the actual compensation. Now, if you can't pay rent or your mortgage, obviously focus on the compensation, but you always have to think about the next step. Where do I want to go in my career? What should I actually negotiate in order to get there? Mm -hmm. That's wild. Because I, I think, you know, taking a step back, I always see that with young people as well, that they're trying to take more of a nuclear approach that if they don't get what they want, they just they just leave. Whereas they're not trying to negotiate, <laughs> negotiate what they can get out of it. And like, let's say another role that's more senior, that fits them, that fits their criteria better for where they want to go to next. So 
in what in what event would you start to look externally and start looking at other companies and how could you leverage that let's say to um to improve your salary i think again it goes back to your goal so the question is do you prefer to focus on stability right now some people really hate the job search process and they can't afford not to have a job for a few months so if you don't want to be in this situation maybe you know wait for a little bit longer maybe search on the side slowly it will take a little bit more time but you'll figure it out it also depends on everything else that you have do you love your day to day job do you actually enjoy what you're doing are you learning and growing do you have a good manager do you have a great team so once again depending on what you're optimizing for if the only thing you care about is the salary or the title and you don't get it then yeah you're probably going to have to look for a different job If you're okay with what you have and you're willing to wait for a little bit longer, again, that's your choice. I, I have been on both sides of this conversation. I have waited and didn't always get what I wanted. And I also left and, and got the promotion that I thought I deserved. But it's a strategic mm-hmm. decision, not an emotional one. And that's where most people get it wrong. Of course, of course. I would love to go much deeper on this topic with you and I think we should do it again in, in a couple of more couple of months time even looking at like how we can help young people like move careers and how we can go down the avenue too would be awesome. But before we finish up, where can people find your course, your book and all your details? Well, I'm always on LinkedIn, Maya Grossman, or you can go to mayagrossman.com and the course is the promotion accelerator and if you take it, you're going to learn everything you need to know. to start working on your next promotion and then the one after that and the one after that because you're going to learn how to be more strategic how to work smarter not how to work harder that's awesome even in this last 40 minutes i think i've learned more than the last four years of my career plus everything else so my let's say a massive thank you i really appreciate it thank you so much fun being here <laughs>